From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with one of my coaches, a lady who has helped me through so many things from divorce to uh, building my company to my relationships post divorce, my kids. Frankie Picasso, is there anything you haven't helped me with in my life? <laughs> We've helped each other. You help each other. Well, you are you are one of my favorite life coaches. You are very intuitive. You not only draw in from a wealth of knowledge and experience, but you also dabble around in different uh, techniques that you've taught me. I, I, I still think the best thing you ever taught me, and I've applied it in every area of my life. When I did my goal setting, you told me, how do you want to feel? Like if it's in a relationship, if it's in a house, if it's in a business, like how do you want to feel each day? And that was such a powerful like aha for me that I've applied it everywhere. I've taught my kids it. Like if you're going to set up a goal for something, I would get so caught up in I have to achieve the goal. And then it became a pass fail situation. Right. And if I didn't pass, I was a failure. And, you know, when you look at certain things in life, how do you pass fail joy? How do you pass fail happiness? And this is where, you know, today we're going to talk a lot about mindset and changing your mindset. That question you posed to me, how do you want to feel, changed my mindset forever. Wow, that's wonderful. And, you know, I think it's, it is a powerful question and it's a powerful thing because, you know, this pass fail will, will bring you to, okay, I've achieved the goal, but am I happy now? And many people aren't happy after they've achieved a goal, right? So it, it really is, okay, I'm doing this, but do I know why I'm doing it? Is it going to, what's it going to accomplish for me? And how will I feel when it, when it happens? Um, people, there's three kinds of fear, you know, and, and, and people fear failure, but they also fear success. So, you know, are you somebody who's going to fear that success? Who knows? Well, yes, because <clears throat> I used to think that was kind of stupid when people would mm -hmm. say, are you really afraid of being successful? And there's a part of me that is because for each success, Frankie, I've had in my life, and I've been a successful author, a successful radio host, a successful entrepreneur, a successful employee, you know, I run companies, yep. you know, I'm 50 years old, I've, I've been around. But with each of those things comes additional responsibility and expectations, Correct. And as you achieve more and get to the top of the pile, it gets lonelier and it gets to the point where when I was the head of one of the companies that I didn't own, but I was the head of it, very few people would ever say, hey, good job. Because it was expected for me to do a good job. And as silly as it sounds, I'm one of those people who need a pat on the back, a job well done. Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs that, but I do. But many people need that. 
And, you know, my, even my daughter just told me last week, she's been collecting for a charity and for at work. And she has gone out of her way and collected thousands of dollars worth of products and, and, uh, things for, for this charity, including a barbecue and all the food and everything they used to have to pay for, they don't have to pay for now. She never got a thank you. Not once. She goes, all I want is a thank you. Just say thanks. You know, it's my car, my gas, my time. I'm, I don't benefit from this in any way, shape or form. So say thank you. Right. And I'm not doing it for the thank you. No. But those we all need that. Um, if it's not a thank you, then it's a monetary. Uh, it's something that says, good job. Well done. Um, I appreciate your effort. And yes, you know, you go to work and you're expected to do a good job. But when you do like an exceptional job, um, be acknowledged. Acknowledgement is everything. And I've always thought that people need to acknowledge their employees and, and back the other way, right? Employees acknowledge. I'm sorry, that's Bongo. Okay, well, we'll welcome him to the show today. Right, but, but right, it's got to go both ways. I remember getting a birthday card for one of my employers and my mom and dad going, that's really strange. Usually it's the other way around. And I thought to myself, but why is that? You know, because you're acknowledging the person. We all want to be seen. We all want to be recognized. Like we don't need a gold medal. You know, we don't need a Mercedes, you know, look, you did your job. You showed up for work today. You took a breath in and out and answered the phone. You know, we're not asking for big things, but I think in an era where in business, we are becoming more and more invisible. We text, we email, we talk on the phone to have an eyeball to eyeball conversation is really rare these days. It is. And, you know, the other thing that you said that was very important about um, being successful and that fear of success was that you're lonely. It's lonely at the top. Nobody, you know, friends will fall away because out of jealousy or because they don't feel like, you know, they can keep up with you, that you're not going to like them anymore. But for somebody who is so successful and many, and I'm not talking about just you, many people are very successful. They have a loss of success under their belts and yet their self-esteem says, you know, I'm not good enough. Uh, am I a one trick pony? Can I sustain this? Can I do it again? Even though they have lots of success under their belts, they always still worry about, you know, can I, can I keep this up? Can, am I a phony? Am I, you know, well, or is it too good to last? You know, this yeah. is one of the things with my mindset recently, that's been a big challenge for me. I've had some adjustments in my mortgage at home. I've had some adjustments in my business and I'm, nervous for the first time about my retirement. And that has never happened to me before. I've always been, I can make enough money. I can do this. I can do that. And I don't know what it is at this juncture of my life that, that made me nervous, but I am all about the numbers. I'm going through my budgets. I'm going through, and Frankie, I'm making good money. Yeah. I, my company is going great. And all of a sudden, I have all this fear. I think it's, it's you've hit this midlife, you know, <laughs> this midlife metamorphosis. And you are at a point now of age and at time of feeling that you're seeing your mortality. You're seeing the future. Where before, you know, that's a long, long way away. But now, you know, 40 years, 30 years, 50 years. I mean, at 50, it, you could be gone by 70. You could be gone by 80. Could be gone, who knows, right? You could be gone by 51. You could be gone by 51. So it becomes 
a fear for many people, how am I going to survive, especially in this economy and this very, this world that is just so scary right now. And we have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, you're a mom, you've got kids, you have to worry about it, you know, not just yourself, but you know, who's gonna look after my kids if something happens to me? How are they going to sustain themselves? Will I have money to give to them? Because a lot of people now they don't have anything extra to leave for their children. You know, it's just really uh, whatever they get on Social Security, and, and, and that's what they're going to get. And if they had a, um, a pension, they're not that big. So, you know, this lifestyle that we all live, it can become very small after we retire. And so people aren't retiring. They're worrying that, oh, maybe I can't, maybe I can't even retire. Maybe I just have to keep going. Uh, it, it is it's kind of scary times, and uh, I can understand why you would feel that way. Well, that's the thing about numbers, Frankie. You know, I really want to thank Oracle uh, NetSuite today by Oracle, which is our sponsor. And when you don't know your numbers, you know, we talk a lot about knowing our expenses and our fixed expenses and our flexible expenses and, you know, having some slush fund, having some emergency money, you know, all these things. It's really hard to keep everything straight, even though we live in a world of technology. And if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And the biggest problem that I think growing businesses have, and I have it, was that I had this like hodgepodge of business systems. You know, I had a bunch of different apps on my phone. I had things on my iPad. I had stuff on my computer. I had spreadsheets. I had actually sticky notes, you know, with, with things. And then I had this old fashioned journal. You know, when I went to business school, we learned how to journal in a, our expenses, you know, put things in different columns and, you know, really archaic. And when I get really stressed out and frightened, I go back to that old ledger system. And you have an, I had a system for accounting. I had one for sales. I had one for inventory and it just made a big mess because nothing was integrated. And so I want to talk for a minute about NetSuite by Oracle. And it's a business management software that handles every aspect of your business in one easy to use cloud platform. So it gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. And with NetSuite, you save time, money, unneeded headaches, and duplication by managing your sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone. And that's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. I mean, Frankie, doesn't that sound so great? It really does. And I just love things on the cloud. I really do. Because, you know, your phones and everything can get all congested, but it's just there. It's there for you to pick out whenever you need it. Yeah. Right. And if a meeting runs late or I'm sitting waiting for something, I can actually log in and do stuff. So it, it does yeah. produce a lot of wasted time. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with this free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash coach, like Coach Talk Radio. That's netsuite.com slash coach to download your free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits. Who doesn't want that, Frankie? I mean, and there's seven, like they're not 55. Like, right, like, right. We're in information overload. I just need seven. So that's netsuite.com slash coach to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash coach. So back to talking about numbers. The number 50 for me was not a big deal when I turned 50. Now that I'm 51 or turning 51 in January, <laughs> now it's a big deal. So I'm having my midlife crisis like a year late. You know what? Midlife, you know, I wrote the book Midlife Mojo and midlife crisis can happen 
any time from late 30s to 60s. It, it, and it's different for everybody. And that's what's so interesting and exciting and kind of scary for people is that you kind of tend to go through it alone because when you're 13 or 12 or 13 and going through adolescence, we all do it together. But midlife, we do individually. And some people do it in a big way and some people do it in a small way. And, and so it can happen at any time, but, you know, talk to, talk to people about your experiences and they'll probably share theirs and you'll find that there are some things that are very common to a midlife experience. Um, like I said, some people, you know, tend to crash and burn and, and sell their house and get the Ferrari and younger person, you know, dating and, and all that. And other people just go. Mm. That happened to me at 40. You know, my marriage dissolved. My ex-husband went on to marry someone else and create a new family and create a new life for himself. And, you know, I kept the old family, you know, yeah, yeah. I kept the old family, kept the old family going. Um, and maybe it's because I was trying so hard to survive for the last 10 years that it didn't really hit me. But the other thing that's weird, Frankie, do you ever look at your driver's license and go, how is this possible? Like I look at that number or, you know, sometimes you have to fill out forms online and they ask you your birth date and your birth year. Yeah. And I'm like, and I get, I need, I get that they, they track things and some things, you know, need to have a filter on it. But I look at that and I'm like, I have to dial back so far. <laughs> like, you know, there's 2000s, then there's the 90s, then there's the 80s, and there's the 70s. Hey, I'm in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> That's really going far back. And, and that really freaks me out. Like I never thought about it. like 60 was the number, right? And now that I'm a couple years into 60. It's, it, it is kind of freak, you know, freaky, and it, but in a good and a bad way, we're not the same 50 and 60 year olds that our parents were. No, they, they bought into we're old now where we don't buy into that. Well, okay. Thank you for saying that because you talk about the number 40 or 50 or 60 and you know, I go to the gym, I teach spin, I watch what I eat, you know, I try to comb my hair most of the time, you know, and, you know, I fail, wipe. fail, <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to look my best. I'm not yes. trying to look 20 years old, anymore, yeah. but I will say I can fit into the teenage clothes. I don't because I, you know, I'm that person that like, you know, you turn around and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Like 20 from the back and 50 yeah. from the front. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm in denial, I guess, because I don't feel 50. I look in the mirror. I don't see 50. I don't know what 50 is supposed to look like anymore. You know, because you look at Lisa Rinna and, you know, some of these Jane Fonda, who's 80 and just rocks it. Yeah. You know, she doesn't look 20 years old, but she doesn't look 80 either. So when we talk about numbers, what is, what do those numbers really mean? Yeah. But some of those people have had work. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Some people have had work, especially where you live in California, but you know, always look at the well, hands, the hands, the hands tell the truth, you know, but uh, no matter how you age, if you age with a young mindset, that's going to do you so much good for your future. Because I look at my dad, who's going to be 95, and your dad, who's in his 80s. And, and you know, they're still looking forward to doing things in life. They, they haven't just, you know, decided, oh, I'm just a couch potato now. They, they still, you know, look forward to, like, your dad helps out with your boys. He drives me, does this, he does that. And my dad, you know, he's always looking for the next, you know, business idea. And, you know, at 95, it's crazy, but that, that young mindset keeps them young and healthy. 
Ah, because that's it. I don't have a, a typical 50-year-old mindset, you know. Right. I was home recently, and one of my- I mean, I saw pictures of you the other day. You're like, she's like on a roller coaster. She's in yes. the water, recording. Go- she's like crazy. Yeah, because I'm alive. You're right. You're alive. Like, I'm alive, and I'm healthy. Right. And I don't want to miss this time. You know, that was the thing. Like a bunch of my friends were like, I'm like, you guys, you know, Zachy wants to go to the water park for his birthday. And they're like, well, we'll go, but we're not going to ride the rides. We're not. And I'm like, then stay home. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a water slide. Nobody's asking you to bungee jump off, you know, the, the gorge and, you know, you know, type of walk across the Grand Canyon. It's a water slide. It's a, right. you know, but yeah. it, what I realized is you got to wear a bathing suit. Yes. And that's the thing. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I have to tell you this. So I worked really hard on my body to be able to wear a two piece bathing suit out here in California. I won't call it a bikini, but it's a two piece and it's not a two piece. Like one of those maternity skirt tops. Like it's a real two piece. You can actually see my tummy and right. you know, it covers, it covers enough. And I worked really hard on that. And then I'm like, crap on a cracker. What are the odds? The kids want to go to a water park. The only place that I can't wear a two my two-piece. And I had yeah. brought three little cute two-pieces home. Oh, my God. Because the girls will fly out. You know what I mean? It's not an appropriate, it's not an appropriate outfit for a mother to wear to a water park. Right. Right. So I ended up having to wear a pair of borrowed board shorts, you know, which thank God fit. And uh, I did wear my top, but then I put a rash guard over it so that I was completely covered up. So nothing flew out and embarrassed the kids. Because it's one thing to lay on a chase and another thing to whiz around a water park. Exactly. Well, you know what? This is, I, this is the first year I've put on a bathing suit in years. And you know, maybe there's the freedom of being 60 and I go, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't care. Yes, I got cellulite on my legs. Yes, I got scars on my legs. Yes, I got, you know, had surgery, whatever. But I'm doing it for me because I'm going into the pool and I'm doing lengths and laps and, yeah. and, you know, to get healthy and strong. And that's, you know, I wouldn't have done that a couple of years ago. I wouldn't have done it. Like my mindset has changed in that, you know, I cared what other people thought about how I looked. I don't care about how, who, who are you? I don't even know you. I don't care. To be fair, you know? I don't really look at other people like that. I might look at their bathing suit. Like, Ooh, that's a cute, yeah, oh, that's a cute bathing suit. Right. Or like, Oh, I like that color, but I don't scrutinize. Like I would Unless not- you're wearing a speedo and you're 400 pounds. We're not laughing <laughs> right. at you. Right. Like right, exactly. But that's that mindset that, you know, like, like taking a risk and it's a good topic for today because to for me to wear a two piece, mm-hmm. I took a risk. I'm 50 right. years old and I'm not Lisa Rinna and I haven't had plastic surgery. And so, right. and nobody even blinked an eye, Frankie. This was like a six month, you know, run over in my head. Sure. Yeah. And I realized like my thoughts create my reality and how that affects my business. Because right. how many business ideas have I squashed or put to the side because they didn't feel safe? Right. Or comfortable. Yes. And, you know, when you come out of your comfort zone, that's actually the place where magic happens. Nothing changes. Everything stays the same when you're in that little comfortable circle. But as soon as you step out of it, you've opened yourself up to 
grand opportunities that you would never have been exposed to had you not set why the doors open. Why does it feel so bad? Like if that's so great. Does it feel bad or does it just feel different or a little bit scary, a little bit nervous? Like a first date, you know, it's like, oh, the butterflies are there. It's a little, but it's, it's exciting too, isn't it? So yes. if you can turn that excitement, that, that butterfly feeling or that nervous feeling into this is like, it's a great present I'm going to open up instead of, ooh, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. <laughs> you know, you have to reframe it and how you reframe it is going to change your experience with it. True. Um, right then then I'm excited I like the unknown I like change you know for me personally I that's what excites me having to stay the same really scares me that's like I need freedom I need freedom to to step out and and see what I can experience so if people could get excited about stepping out of, of their comfort zone and stepping into that circle where magic can happen and just think of it magic happens here this is where it happens this is where you know all those things that I'm afraid of or worried about. Um, but, you know, I can make money here. I can, you know, look younger here. I can lose weight here. I can wear a bathing suit here. I can do all those things over here. Um, that's th open yourself up to the opportunity of it. Cause it's so amazing. Well, and I, I have to tell you, like, you know, going back to the water park, um, there was one slide, that white slide that you saw on Facebook, that's five stories high. It's wow. really high. And yeah. you walk up these cement steps, and there's a purple one that goes down one side, and it whizzes around in circles, and it's, but it's enclosed, so you're not going to fly out. And I was walking up the steps the first time with my 10-year-old, or I guess he's 13 now, um, and we're, we get to the top and he's like, mom, you're going to be fine. Mom, you're going to be fine. And I don't normally have vertigo or dizziness. Heights don't bother me. I got up there. My head was pounding so hard. Wow. I was so frightened. Be I mean, I hadn't been on a water slide in probably yeah. like that height, probably 15 years. And so I said, well, I'll just go down the purple one. And in the tube of the purple one, in my head, I have my hands. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I shoot out the bottom. I'm fine. How, lo how long did it take you to get down to the bottom? How oh, fast is it? Just uh, seconds? Just, uh, maybe, maybe 10 seconds, 8, okay. 10 seconds. Not a lot. Yeah. You know, but it whipped around pretty good. And, and, you know, I was unnecessarily frightened by I don't know what. I used to ride these things all the time. No problem. Right. Right. So we go and we go around the whole rest of the water park and, and Zach and my oldest brother are there. He came with us, but he hurt his foot so he couldn't ride any of the rides. And then Zachy's like, mom's going to go down the water slide. Mom's going to go down the white one. Mom's going to go down the white one. Well, kudos like, that you could walk up the five stories to right. go down it. I was physically fit enough to do the physical part. It was the mental concept. Yes. So I get up to the very top and I'm standing there. Zachy zips down like nobody's business. These three Muslim girls come up and they're in full garb. Cause I'm like, how do you go down the water slides and not choke? And they're like, they just kind of hold on to their scarf because they were covered. Yeah. And, wow. And so I'm chatting with them up there. And then I said to the guy who sits up there, you know, how, how old's the oldest person that went down today? He goes, oh, he goes, that guy that comes here with his grandchildren, he goes, I think he's 84, maybe he's 85. And I'm like, okay, I <laughs> I've got girls from another country. 
you know, who barely speak English, willing to go down the water slide. Some old man beat me to the curb. And this kid's just sitting there laughing at me, not in a bad way. Yeah. And I sat down on this slide and it's really high. You can see all the way to the end of an 18 mile lake from there. And the water's rushing down and you can't see the drop the way it's formulated. And he's like, what you do is he goes, don't push off. And I'm like, yeah, like I ever would. Yeah. He's like, just lay back and the water will take you down. And I looked at him and I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> he's like, you're going to be fine. He says, lay down. Cause I was literally had a death grip on the poles. He's like, cross your hands over your chest. And he goes, and just breathe. And he goes, if you want to keep your eyes shut, you can, but you'll miss everything. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll miss my own death. I don't need yeah, to miss the inside of the tube. Okay. And there's, yeah, there's no tube, Frankie. It's open. Oh, it's open. It's open. Ooh. There's no tube. It's like a child slide that goes down. Five oh seconds. my God. Does nobody yeah. fall off of it? I don't, I didn't ask, but you know, I did look at the water park thing before we're going over there and like only one person has died in like 38 years. So I'm okay. like, could be me. You never know. It'll be you. But I just took a deep breath, crossed my hands over my chest, said a little prayer, and I laid down. Frankie, it was the easiest thing. The water was nice and warm. You yeah. didn't go super fast. Like, you went down and you dropped. But it was deceiving the way the slide, like, when you kind of went and looked at it from the side, which you couldn't because the way they configured the park, and I'm sure they yeah. did this on purpose. But it looked so terrifying. But it was like nothing. So what's the lesson? The submission. You submit to that fear and it was all for nothing. And usually it is. Like, you know, I mean, I think Wilson had it right. Or Roosevelt, you know, nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, right? My, my, my son's, um, his girlfriend's mom turned 60 and she jumped out of an airplane. And I'm, I'm thinking – I don't need to compete with her for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Well, I can bring you to a water slide next time I'm home. Yeah. Sixty. I already passed sixty. Slide. I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done amazing things. I don't need to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's lots of things in life that we fear, and and we just need to change our mindset. And and the thing about changing a mindset is that our thoughts are so fast in our brain, and because it's done, it, like we've done you know, this thought a thousand million times. And to change that thought to a new thought, it's like you're creating a new deer path. And so the rut's not very deep. And so you have to concentrate in the beginning to change the thought. But the, the, the more times you go to that thought, the, the more times, you know, the deeper that rut becomes. And eventually there's a path. And eventually it becomes your go-to path. And so like right now, I've been, I've been on a weight loss journey for the last month, six weeks. And, you know, at first I, I said, well, if I don't lose weight this week, I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. Like that's uh -huh. my old mindset. Yeah. But the new mindset says, so what, you know what, you're still, you're eating better. You look better. You um, it's going to happen for you. You feel better. So just keep doing it because rinse and repeat eventually gets to where you want to be. And well, that's that pass fail. It's the like past, that's you know. past fail mindset. And so then I thought, well, if you don't lose, because I have another friend doing it too. And I, so I thought, well, if you don't lose weight this week, and you know, when you try really, really hard, you want to see that number go down every week, right. right? However, this morning as I was driving along, I was thinking, okay, so if you don't get the number that you want, 
what could the reward be? What could the reward be for, you know, sticking to the program, doing what you know is, you know, is right, what has worked in the past. And so what, what kind of reward could you have instead of that? Because if the number can't be the reward, we all, like we, at the beginning of the show, we said we want to be acknowledged. So how can you acknowledge yourself for the good work that you put in if you're not going to get the number reward? Yeah, I was going to say have an ice cream sundae, but that's not what you want to do. No, but maybe it is. Maybe it is yeah. have an ice cream sundae. Or maybe it's go for a massage. Maybe it's buy something new. Maybe it's, you know, uh, do something that you've always wanted to do and, and you just didn't allow yourself you know, the opportunity to get it. So, but there are different ways to reward yourself other than food. Well, and there are, I'm just going to buzz in here because for somebody who lost 40 pounds over the last couple years and completely rechanged my body, um, I found the measurements, the least important measurement, Frankie, is what I weigh. Yeah. And so when I started working out with my my trainer, so I'm going to just pause here and cough. Thank and you. Drinking water. Yes, <laughs> water. But the, the, the hardest thing that I set myself up for was this battle with the scale. Mm-hmm. And so my trainer measured my neck. He measured my arms. He measured my boobs. He measured my waistline. He measured my hips, my thighs and my calf. <coughs> he also measured my weight. Then he had me do like sit-ups and squats and all these different things. And he had this long metric. And so when we checked in every Sunday night, something on there would change. And not for the worse. Right. Because hormones and things like that, my weight would fluctuate. We could see that. Sure. You know? But my my calf size didn't fluctuate. That continued to go down. My hip size continued. So even though my weight maybe stayed stable or in some weeks it went up, which was really disheartening. Right. So I realized in all of my weight loss journeys over the years, you know, having kids and losing the weight after, I gave myself a two finite goal success set. So when you look at this chart and you see, yeah, you might have gone up in this area, but you went down in five others. Right. What's, what's the point? Like, what's the point of what you're doing? Like when he asked me to run a 10 minute mile, yeah, I was like, you are out of your bonking gourd. Like there is yeah, yeah. no way. Yeah. And I, cause I started out at like a 16 minute mile. And then he's like, no, he goes, I think you're ready. I think you're ready. And I'm like, no, I have PMS bloat. Look, look, the chart showed it. See that weight gain? That's PMS bloat. So he like, he's like, come on, Stan, get on the treadmill. Well, I did like 10, four, like 10 minutes and 40 seconds. Awesome. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. And you could have told me I'm a freaking balloon with, you know, 5,000 pounds, nothing was going to take my buzz away that I'm 50 years old and I can run a 10 minute mile. Right. Awesome. So, and that is, I mean, that, those, yeah, the, the scale can't be the only metric. And for if, you know, if people don't want to weigh that, if they don't want to measure themselves with numbers, then just get a string, use a string to do the measurement and cut it and keep the clippings and cut it and cut it and cut it. And then, you know, you can put your clippings back together and go, Oh my God, look at how much I've lost. Yeah. It's incredible. 
I saw a picture of a girl the other day. She put seven 10-pound bags of potatoes in her arms because that's what she lost. She could barely hold them. It's amazing that you can walk around with that, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, when you think of like, you know, what, um, you know, what you, uh, like, you know, kind of what you, when you see a, a five pounds of fat or 10 pounds of fat. Yeah. How much room that takes up, you know, just look at it, just Google it on the internet. And so when yeah. Change from fat to muscle, and you get smaller. You realize just how much your body did to change that that state from fat to muscle, or to to burn it off. So I was in a, a, a WW. I go to WW. So I was in a WW meeting, and there was a girl there, and, and she says, "I, you know, it's been months and months and months, and I haven't, I haven't, I'm not on track. Like I just haven't started." And but she's coming to the meeting. And I'm like, what can we do for you? Like, what can we do to make you start? Young girl, going to get married, wants to fit in her wedding dress, already bought the dress. It's two sizes too small, but she needs to get into it. And I think the fear is stopping her from starting. The fear of I'm not going to get there is making her want to eat more and not even, because I understand that mindset. Right. Right. So how can we help you start? And it it, like, it's like, I want to jump in there and go up let me help you. <laughs> you know, I can get you to start, start your, your journey, but it's, it's difficult. And you know, there was a, I was reading about one girl who went 12 weeks in a plateau and I thought to myself, I, I'd probably quit after 12 weeks in a plateau. I get so mad at my body for not changing. Yeah. And the, in, in the later set, I had a woman who went a year <gasps> in a plateau. Wow. I said, well, how did, how does she sustain? Like, how do you sustain that and think, what the freak is wrong with me and why should I even bother? And why should I stay like this? And, and all of those negative thoughts that, that happen, right? Um, because it's what you want isn't happening for you. Right. Difficult. It's difficult, but you have to keep thinking of a different way. It's still eating better. You're still not gorging on, you know, chips and ice cream and all that other stuff. And so at, at least that has to be better for you. You're not going to die of a stroke tomorrow. Right. Well, so, and here's the thing. It's like, this is the thing about plateaus. They suck, but you're not gaining. Yeah. You know, like, like, it, you know, there's, there's three possible outcomes. You can gain, you can lose, or you can plateau. Right. I'd rather take a plateau than a gain. Yes. Yes. And you know, I had a friend, she called and she said, Oh, I only lost point two. And I go, you know what? It's in the right direction. And you can't even count like a like you said. Your body fluctuates. Women, we have we have hormones. Even at my age, we have hormones that that you know you go up and down every day. I track my weight daily right now just to see. And you know, I might be up two pounds one day, and I go, "What? I didn't even do anything different, right?" And then you're back down again. And so it really is. You have to work on your game, your inner game, your inner mindset. You know, to to stay the course for everything, and it's not just weight loss. It's business. It's you know relationships. It's everything. We need to use that inner game and figure out what's going to work for me and how am I going to sustain and get the things that I want out of life um, when I'm not thinking the right way. So how can I change my thoughts? How can I reframe? Because basically, coaching is all about reframing. Really, you know, how can I reframe the thinking that I've got, the negative thinking that I have, uh, to get me what I want in a positive manner? Yeah, I mean, because it is your your thoughts really do determine <clears throat> your reality. If you sit there and think this is hopeless, it's never going to change. Of course, you're going to give up. 
Yes. If you think like, hey, maybe I have a shot and, you know, I can maybe come up with something different to do, then you get a chance. If you think, you know what, if this is what it is, I'll accept it. I'll stay the same. Then you make peace with it, you know, because you really only have, you know, improve, decrease or stay the same. Right. Really only three speeds in almost everything in life. Yeah. So it's what you choose, it, how you choose to, to see it feel it, think about it, mindset, the whole thing is really going to determine your outcome. Like I, I've looked at, you know, um, previous, you know, I've looked at women who may be overweight and you see them and they're having a great time and they're involved and they're engaged and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, like how, how come they're doing that? Like how can they, and I'm sitting here going, oh, my arms, I can't go out there because my arms are, you know, flabby or whatever the think the stinking thinking that goes on in our heads and we're yeah. so cruel and mean to ourselves. And yet you're looking at them going, well, how, because they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about I'm engaging with people and I'm having a great time while you're sitting there being an idiot <laughs> worrying about your arms, you know, like, hello. Well, and let's, let's root it over to a, a, a business aspect of it. You've got, when I am running my own company, I know what I'm earning. Mm -hmm. So if I'm earning a lot of money, I can go into a trade show. I can go into a training program. I can go in. I am on top of the world. Right. Because I had a good month. I'm great. Now my earnings for the couple months aren't great. Right. And I go in a little more subdued. I go in quietly. I sit in the back. Like nothing has changed changed except the number in my head that I've assigned to my own personal value. Exactly. This in my dating life too, because if I'm fit and making money, I'm worthy on a date. If right. I'm not fit and not making money, I'm unworthy and more likely to cancel or to not accept the date in the first place, which is really crazy because what does one thing have to do with the other? And my mindset is what's holding me back, not the numbers. It's the confidence. You know, it's the conf you have the confidence when you think things are going well to put yourself out there. And when you're, when they're not, then you've lost that confidence. But in love life too, the same thing happens. It's like, you know, when you're in love, everything's wonderful and rosy. And when you have a fight and you break up and the whole world is horrible and nasty, same world same everything except your mindset. And that just shows how the reframe happens mm -hmm. because now you fall in love. Somebody calls you like, Oh, you're so pretty today. And, and Oh, okay. Now I'm back on top of the world again. Same day, same world, same everything. So it's just, it's, it's just what the thoughts that are going on in your head, right? Nothing has changed. Your business didn't change your relation. Like you haven't changed just the world around you is changing. And you just got to, you know, it's how you're going to look at it and deal with it. You can have a self-fulfilling prophecy or you're going to, you know, say, oh, maybe I'll do something a little bit different and change it up and right. see what can happen for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I did this little experiment with my teenage son because he was going through that phase that they do, like I call it the teen Unabomber phase, you know, where they have to wear black and hoods and yeah. you know, yeah. like walk around the whole world is terrible and and I said to him, you Die. know, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Max, do you realize you're creating that? And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, look at you, you have a black hoodie on, you have, you know, black pants, you know, you walk around with your hands jammed in your pockets, your head down and you scowl. 
And I said, let's just do a fun experiment today because you got to go to the grocery store with me and get dog food and carry it anyway. So I said, what you're going to do, you're going to change your clothes. You're going to put on a light shirt and a light pair of shorts, you know, like, like tan. And you're going to, I'm going to ask you to smile and nod at everybody we walk by. By halfway through the shopping trip, he was so engaged with some guy about some video game that he he's he forgot that he was that he was supposed to smirk. <laughs> right, exactly. And so we come home and he's chattering the whole way home, like I can't wait to go on Steam and look up this thing and whatever. And I said, Do you think anyone would have even come close to approaching you or strike up a conversation on this if you were in your gloom and doom doctor of death outfit? And he could see the physical difference. And I said, do you see how you create your reality, your manner of dress and your behavior and your appearance? And the aura that you're putting out around you. All that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you change your mindset or you make a choice. You make a conscious decision to change some of these things. Look at the different response you got. Look at the, the energy you got. Look at the excitement you got. Look at the information you got for some new game that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have known about. Yeah. In, in, um, in, in coaching, we call a bold request. And so you did a bold request to your son. And so let's put that out to everybody who is listening. Do that bold request. Change your dress. If, you know, like I, in my book, My Life Mojo, I talk about modeling behavior and, and you know, if you want to be an actor or you want to be something dress the way you think that they look right dress for that role dress for that success so you know put on clothes for if if you want to be i don't know a secretary put on clothes that you think uh you know pencil skirt and a thing put on clothes if you want to um work as in a in construction you know jeans and and a t-shirt like dress the way you want for the role you think you want and then go out in the world today and do it and see how you feel and think the thoughts that you think that that person would be thinking. Right. Think like that, that, you know, person who drives a Lamborghini, even if you don't have one, right. uh, dress like the person who owns a Lamborghini or a yacht or whoever it is that you want to be. And, and just pretend that you're them and think like they would think, and you will be so surprised what happens. Right. Right. I mean, so you surprised. Have- you have an entire different experience. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. It is cool. Well, you know, I remember my dad when I was younger, we would always dress up for airplane rides. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be flying somewhere and, you know, they'd be like, you know, you have to be dressed up. And recently I've had to fly a lot for work and I dress up, you know, it's habit for me. It's something, you know, and I, I make my hair look really nice and I realize that I do get better service. Yes. You know, if I show up looking like a hagged out mom with screaming kids and whatever, you know, this last flight, both of my kids were showered, neat haircuts, you know, nice clothes, you know, in their own genre, right? right? You know, their own, you know, Max had a, but at least his t-shirt was clean and pressed and, you know, he looked presentable and our luggage looked presentable, looked nice. And at one point they were giving out these hundred dollar credits for something. And uh, we stood in line and the lady says, you guys come over here. And she took me over the side. They gave us three of these hundred dollar vouchers. Wow. 
And I'm like, I look kind of like looked around at the other group, like why single us out? I didn't want to ask her. Maybe it was because I had kids, but also maybe it looked like we were regular professional travelers that would use their service a lot and it would be good marketing. I mean, who knows what right. process went in there, but the odds are if I was screaming at my kids and a mess and everything was all over, maybe I wouldn't have been chosen. I don't know. I could almost guarantee you that. I remember flying to California once. I was the manager of a woman's clothing store. This is like way back when in my 20s. And I had the most gorgeous coat and hat. Like just beautiful. The color was just my color. Everything was amazing. And people would stand up and they would like just treat me like royalty. Like just treat you like royalty. It was crazy just because I was so dressed and everything matched. And they thought it just looked so beautiful. And you know what? you feel different, they feel different, everything, you know, it's kind of a win-win. So yes, people definitely treat you uh, by how you dress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my point taken, my dad went to buy um, a Jaguar once and he, we had a a farm and he was, he's a a gentleman farmer, as they say, you know, he was, he owned a company, but he was working on the farm that day. And for some reason he thought, I'm going to go look at this car. And he had his work boots on, his farm boots on, and he looked like a slump and he walked in and they couldn't get a salesman, couldn't get a salesman. And he was going to buy two cars. Right. And, and so he came back, I think the next day or whatever, dressed in a suit and, and said, Oh, sir, can I help you? And he goes, no, you can't. He goes, because you ignored me yesterday. Oh, I'm not, you know, we're going to buy over here now, but I just wanted you to know I was buying two cars and you're not getting my business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a catch 22. I mean, from a sales standpoint, you have to attend to everyone, but you know, but you know, when you look at that too, you kind of go, well, I've got 50 people to attend to. I don't have 50 hours. So you've got to make some judgment somewhere because, you know, when I was in residential real estate in Beverly Hills, we used to have these guys that would come and they would be older executives with some young bunny. Yeah. And they'd be coming looking at million dollar homes. Now they had no intention of buying these homes. We could, you know, cause once you, once you got fooled by a couple of them, yeah, you realize they're just using this showing to show off in their you know least expensive car and their yes. you know least suit and their least Rolex. You know they don't own anything and they're not having any intention of buying, but they can they can play that that role right and impress the young bunny. Yep. Yeah. You know. And yeah. so you, you know, you learn, you know, but I think some of that comes with experience and, you know, everybody's going to be fooled, but you can't go wrong being polite to everyone. No, no. You know what? Manners is, manners will always get you uh, everything really. And, and you can't forget that. Right. And they don't hurt. Be polite. Be kind. Right. No. You know, I was um, on the, um, I was on the airplane this past week and um, one of the ladies like looked at me and she was like, she's like, what are you staring at? And I looked at her and I said, I really like the pattern on your bag. Cause it was <laughs> under seat carts. Yeah. And I couldn't, it was like, kind of like a paisley, you know, it was just really pretty. And I, just I love paisley. Them. Yeah. And the, it was like a lavender, you know, it was real soft. Pretty. It wasn't, yeah. It was pretty. And I just looked at her and then she's like, Oh, she thought it was something negative. 
Yeah, immediately, because yeah. I was just sitting there, like, staring at her bag and thinking, you know, because sometimes, you know, like, when you go and you go in airplanes, like, you can look at all the different luggage, you can look at sure. all the different travel bags, and every once in a while, I'll see something cool, especially overseas, like, you know, they're, they're products and things we don't have over here, so you look at that, but it's like, I thought about her mindset going, her mindset immediately went to the negative, immediately went to the critical. And yeah. I didn't want to say this, but I'm like, was your mom hard on you? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, why would your go-to be like, what are you staring at? Yeah. Yeah. Which is almost kind of rude. Well, it is rude. I mean, it's very Take rude. Take a picture. You know? It lasts longer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a 16 year old me. Right. <laughs> you know, but being aware of our own, thoughts too yes you know and that's where like I think air travel especially gives us time to think Mm -hmm. you know and like I was so taken aback by her you know like what are you looking at that you know when you one of the one of the um sorry one of the things I did in this Franklin Covey training program I went to in Salt Lake City they asked you to carry a little piece of paper around and make a check on it every time you had a negative thought about Mm -hmm. someone, someone else that wasn't constructive. And I had that little post-it filled up by like (laughs) 9am. Well, in coaching, we do this little thing where you put a rubber band around your wrist and you snap it when you have a negative and boy, does your wrist ever hurt by the end of the day. Yeah. Same type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Because we have to be conscious of, you need to be conscious of your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to be honest, like sometimes I've stared at things and I'm not staring at them. My thoughts are like a hundred miles away, but your eyes are just there. Yeah. You're just resting your eyes on something and people, Oh, what are you looking at? You know, actually I'm not even thinking about you or what you got or anything. I'm a hundred miles away, you know, thinking about something else. So sometimes that happens. So people don't get defensive. But we live in a very defensive a defensive society now. And, you know, and I'm sure I am too, in some ways, you know, that's why talking today about mindset and changing your mindset in order to change your mindset, you have to identify your mindset. Yes, exactly. You have to know what you're thinking. And and once you know what you're thinking, then you can start to change your thoughts. And like you said, the post-it notes or even that rubber band are great exercises for, for think, recognizing what you're thinking. Because you have to be conscious of it before you can change it. Right. Well, there you go. Frankie Picasso, thank you so much today for being a guest. And it's so much fun to talk to you always because I always learn something on the show with you. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, we'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 